everyone. It is episode number 53 of the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodart alongside Cameron Klein in the FGP studios of Cameron Klein's Garage. Cameron Klein, we have just watched the Philadelphia Flyers get a shutout, 3-0 victory over the Buffalo Sabres to improve to 10-4-3 on the season. They have 23 points now in, what is that? That is 17 games played this season. They're looking good. And I would say that the memories of what happened in Boston can all be put to bed if they just simply close out tomorrow with a nice little W. Yeah, it was a nice little bad dream there. You know, we all have nightmares every once in a while, but we're past it and uh, and we're moving on. I, th- I think this is pretty much what I expect from the Philadelphia Flyers at this point. This is this is what I think this team is. So Now, the Flyers did catch the COVID bug, which did haul, uh, plenty of their games, and as a result also cost them about eight players in the lineup before they went up against the Boston Bruins in Lake Tahoe, which I have been saying since it happened was just one of the biggest wastes of an outdoor game. Such a great venue, yeah. such a great opportunity to see the Flyers out there, and they were running guys out there that, quite frankly, would not typically be found on the active roster for the Philadelphia Flyers. They get a 2-1 lead in that Boston game. And then I witnessed what I thought was one of the worst games in Carter Hart's career, and I tweeted at you, I think it's time to have the conversation about Carter Hart. And uh, I jokingly I jokingly put in there, he stinks? <laughs> uh, that did not get too much love from other people on Twitter, but... Cameron, you know how much of a fan I am of Carter Hart. You know how much I think he means to the city and what he can mean to this team's future going forward. Look, the numbers are there for a reason. We're They're there to reference when we need to see how a player has been performing. Cameron, I understand that they had eight players missing. I understand that. He's not been very good this season. No. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's over for his career, that he's terrible, that he's Roman Chikmonic, that he's uh, Steve Mason, that he's Ilya Brizgalov, but... He's not played well this season. It's just what it is. I mean, I would I would say that's true, but I would also say he hasn't played well against the Boston Bruins this season. Well, certainly not against Boston. Yeah, I mean, the other I, – I, I don't know that I have the numbers directly in front of me, but I, I remember reading um, that against every other team, he is putting up pretty solid numbers. I mean, it's something about like somewhere around a 9, 9-1-0, 9-1-1, something like that, save percentage. I believe it was Jason Mertidis actually that put out that stat, and I think it's important that I find a way to find that stat. But go on, talk more about uh, Carter Hart. Yeah, but then, you know, in, with against Boston, his you know save percentage is essentially in the basement. And again, I'm not trying to make an excuse for him because you need to be able to play that well against every team. doesn't matter if it's Boston or if it's Boston or Buffalo. You need to be able to play. Um but, you know, it's against the toughest competition in the league. And, again, like we also said, eight players were missing. He didn't really have a lot of help. But I agree. He's not playing as, as well as Flyer fans, including myself, would hope that he has that he, he would be playing this season. Um, but at the same time, I mean, th- these things happen. So it was Bill Meltzer that uh, put out the stat that Jason Martita simply talked about. Carter Hart has allowed 20 goals against the Bruins. Uh, this season going 0-2 and 2 with a 5-3-1 GA with an uh, 8-4-3 save percentage against uh, against the Boston Bruins against yeah, the rest horrible. of the East Division, he's 5-1 and 1 with a 2-7-3 goals against average and a 9-1-9 save percentage. Which, for the record, I think he's even better than a 2-7-3 for his career. I think he'll be better than that. So it's obvious yeah. that listen, he is definitely struggling against Boston, but you can make the argument that. Look at his numbers against the rest of the division. He's playing just yeah. fine. And the whole team is struggling against, has struggled against Boston, I would say, for the most part. I mean, you know, we all remember the 4-3 OT game, which they just completely imploded. Yeah. 
uh, which is tough to watch, tough to tough to remember. Don't like going back in the memory banks to see that, but it is what it is. And yeah, Carter Hart needs to do better in those situations. Carter Hart needs to be better against Boston. It's not an excuse because you know it's going to get to the point where you're in the playoffs and you're going to have to play against Boston, and you're going to have to be able to show up at those points. Unfortunately, um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's the point where anybody needs to panic or think like. You know, he maybe he won't be the guy. I think that's a little bit ridiculous and, and overreactionary. But uh, I think for this season, it should be something that should be addressed, right? At least should be discussed, thought of. Well, look, they they have games obviously left in the season. It's not like this was game fifty five that right. that struggling uh, Hart had played in. They've played now seventeen games of fifty six. So that means that there's forty nine games left. For, or not 49 games left, uh, 39 games left to mm-hmm. figure it out. Carter Hart could figure it out. Yeah, he could. I think that what this team is at this point, they you mentioned it, and so did Charlie O'Connor on Twitter. You thought that they were playing pretty good hockey before the COVID bug had hit bit them. And they had the two games against the Islanders. They had the, the game that they absolutely should have won against Boston. Mm-hmm. And son of a gun, they didn't win it. And then pretty soon afterwards, the COVID bug hits them. Then they come back. They have the game against the Rangers where they lose in the shootout. And it's, you know, okay, they're, they're, they've got no one. You know, they've yeah, got David Cache yeah. playing in there, for God's sakes. And not that I hate David Cache, but he's not a Philadelphia Flyer He's right not now. Claude Giroux. He's right. not Claude Giroux. Yeah, or Travis Konechny. And then or, they get blown yeah. out by the Boston Bruins. And so I, I was frustrated more about the Rangers game than the Bruins game. But then yeah. I remember thinking to myself, okay, how do you respond from this? Where do you go from here? Right. Because right now they're not good enough, in my opinion, to go into the second round of the playoffs based on, you know, the roster they have because of COVID and certainly not the way that they're going to play with this roster. They go up, they get some players back, including the captain, the leader of the team, Claude Giroux, and they go in there at home, they play the New York Rangers, and Cameron, I thought they smoked the hell out of the Rangers despite what the score had said. Yeah, and they still were missing a solid chunk of the team. I mean, they still didn't have Jake Borchek. They still didn't have Scott Lawton. They still didn't have Oscar Limbaugh. still didn't have Travis Konechny. I mean, the list goes on, and they they dominated the Rangers. I mean, the score the, the score does not represent how that game went. Absolutely in my not. Um, I think Chris Kreider had, had a tremendous game. It's three yeah, goals. Absolutely tremendous game. Um, and it was extremely frustrating. I hate to see it because I can't stand Chris Kreider, but he's he been did. there forever, hasn't he? He has, and he, he's very good at he's a just he's a great net front presence, and he's good at crashing the net. Anything involved with the net, he's good. I mean, he he's just fantastic, and we saw him score a hat trick against the Flyers the other night. But that being said, I think overall team wise, the Philadelphia Flyers dominated that team, and I think we saw a continue of that domination again today against Buffalo Sabres, and again, you could say, well, yeah, it's the Sabres, but that's how they should play that team. They should dominate that team, and that's what they did. Yeah, it's not a game where you go crazy for. It kind of reminds me, yeah. last year, I remember when we, had a, uh, we did a show last year after the Flyers had beat the uh, San Jose Sharks 4-2. to They played well in that game, and then we were sitting here, and you were like, okay, good, you beat them, but you should be beating this team because yeah, right. you're supposed to be a good team. Yeah. And that's what the Flyers did today. They handled a team that they had no business losing to, uh, this stat posted by Jason Martinez. So far this season, Brian Elliott has seen 75 total shots from the Sabres, and he's allowed two goals when he came in relief in a 6-1 loss. That is a save percentage of 9-7-3. Yeah, he's destroyed them. He has played, apparently for his career, he's played extremely well against the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Today's game, uh, I'll pull up the stats right now of that game, so that way you don't have to, Cameron, because I know that you've got enough. Uh, stats to pull up but the Flyers I thought the one thing that they did today was that they played well within themselves and quite frankly they took it to Buffalo in every way that they needed to where's the stats there it is so in terms of just let's think about what what do the Flyers stink at lately power play 
Power play, not yeah. that great. Still, penalty still kill, struggling. really atrocious. I mean, they had two power play goals against the, the Rangers, which was nice to see. But then, yeah, again, today they went over 3. They so. went over 3. I thought the power play looked okay. Yeah. But I was referring to the shots. Oh, yeah. yeah all yeah, yeah. season. That's a big one, yeah. You know, you, you were interested all day in, you know, the shots and the amount of shots that we mm-hmm. had taken. It finished 39-23, Philadelphia. That's more like what we've been seeing going against us. Yes. This season, especially yeah. even against the Sabres. The 6-1 loss, we got killed in the shot department. The Flyers, this time, though, 39 shots on goal, 62% in the face-off percentage. And how about this? How about this right here? Only six penalty minutes to the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, that's nice. Three for three against the league's number one power play. Granted, no Jack Eichel, but I thought that the Flyers just played extremely well. And all three goals they created off of, you know, being able to capitalize off a Buffalo team that just wasn't ready. How about the first goal when Sean Couturier is left wide open in the slot? <laughs> There's like three Flyers players you never want to see get left wide open. Claude Drew, yeah, you don't want to leave yeah. him open. Uh, who else? Who else? Joel Farabee, well, he's a great slap shot, so I don't think you want to leave him wide open. And then, you know, the Selkie winning center of the Philadelphia Flyers, Sean Couturier, I would say that you don't want to leave him wide open in the slot. One nothing Philadelphia, and then in the second period, in a period that I thought that they should have already been up by three goals at that point, they finally get it. Sean Couture gets the puck over to James Van Riemsdyk, who's having a hell of a season and continues to dominate day in, day out with this team. And then he finds Shane Gossespair, who walks in wide open on Carter Hutton, and he puts it past him for another goal for Shane Gossespair, his second in his many games. 2 nothing Philadelphia, and at that point, Cameron, I'm looking at you, and I'm like, this is what I expect to see. Yeah. They're taking over the game. A few minutes later, same situation. Jake Voracek finds uh, Oscar Lindblom out in the neutral zone. Oscar Lindblom finds a streaking Scott Lawton who absolutely undresses Carter Hutton with a beautiful breakaway goal to make it 3 nothing Philadelphia. They just, they just dominated that second period, yeah. and they looked phenomenal doing it. And, and like you said about that San Jose game, uh, from last year, I'm I'm not I wasn't jumping out of my seat with excitement because I was like, yeah, this is this is what I expect. This is what they should be doing because this is what this team is. This is what this team was last year. We were disappointed a little bit in January because they weren't they were winning, but they weren't winning as dominantly as we we would have liked. And he, now they're starting to do it again. And I think it was something that we started to see, like you said, before the whole COVID break. Unfortunately, the team had to go through. They, they started to put it together, and now their team's coming back again, and they're starting to put it together again. And this is, again, what I expect from this team. So uh, it's business as usual, honestly, in my opinion. Brian Elliott, 23 for 23, was the number one star of the game, I'm sure. Uh, other people that I thought really stood out today, how about, uh, once again, James Van Riemsdyk. He had an assist in the game. He was a plus two. He's now has 20, he now has 24 points in 17 games played. Sean Couturier and a goal and an assist. He's got now on a five-game point streak. He's looking phenomenal. Yep. I mean, the guys that we need to see step up are stepping up. And I also want to give a big shout-out to Nicholas Albay-Cubell, who had an amazing forced turnover in the offensive zone and should have gotten at least a point out of that whole sequence. Yeah. With Michael <laughs> Roffel just pinging iron off that. Couldn't get him the point, but I just thought that Nicholas Albay-Cubell also stood out. His physicality stands out to me every game. I, I just love watching the guy play. Claude Giroux did not get registered a point, but once again, thought he played really well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that game against the Rangers, he looked vintage. 
vintage Giroux. I mean, the strip in the offensive zone that he didn't score on either was snake bitten as well. Like you just mentioned with Nikolov Cabell, a little bit similar in terms yep. of their undressing of the defense, or I guess you could say offense trying to break out from their offensive zone. Just, just beautiful. I mean, I was expecting Claude Drew to kind of make a splash after that press conference he had after his practice, where he was saying like, "Yeah, I haven't, I can't remember the last time I watched a Flyers game, and I hated it." I hated that. <laughs> so I was expecting him to do something, and and he delivered with with three assists, which I thought was the bare minimum of what could have happened. And he has night. 14 points in 15 games, just just under a point a game. So it's not like he hasn't been producing. He's got one goal and 13 assists. You'd obviously like to see the goal number go up, but I mean he's he's contributing. He's making plays happen out there. Now, a couple things that have happened over the week that we really didn't get the chance to talk about. Firstly. Uh, going away from the Flyers and from the Buffalo Sabres to talking about the New York Rangers, Artemi Panarin, yeah. that whole situation. I really liked how the NHL and the New York Rangers have responded. Yeah, me, I agree. Yeah. Having your guys back. He's going to be away from the team. He's going to go handle this situation. Uh, I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt because, quite frankly, this looks to be like a relationship gone wrong between him and his old KHL coach where this guy is just out there to you know fling mud and try and ruin this guy's name. Maybe I'm wrong, but I always liked Artemi Panarin, and he always seemed like a decent enough person to me where I'd like to believe that the accusations against him are nowhere near close to true. I mean, obviously you always want to take accusations like this very seriously. Of course. I mean, from, from where we're standing, right, the NHL is is backing Artemi Panarin. The New York Rangers are backing Artemi Panarin. Even a lot of Russian media outlets are backing Artemi Panarin. Um, there seems to be plenty of, of influence as to why – these rumors would come out, given the the political spectrum of what's going on over there. And what a, and what a shame that, you know, it's something that we take granted for in this country. I think. Oh yeah. We can yeah. speak so ill of what Joe Biden did, what President Biden did with the airstrikes in Syria, and we have that right. Artem yeah, Benarin afraid of being is arrested. a well-known critic of Vladimir Putin, and he has to worry about his family's safety over there. He's got to worry right. about you know his his name being tarnished while he's not even in the country. While too. he's not even in the country. Yeah. Which is something, man. Which, I mean, that's, that's now, I will say this. Unfortunate. It's awful. The NHL and the Rangers better be right. Right, yeah. They, they better be right about this. Be a bad bet. If, yeah. <laughs> if it turns out to not be the case. Yeah, but pretty I just, horrible. Yeah. I just think that the way that uh, the NHL and the Rangers have responded to these accusations, which I, I truly hope are not true. Right. I hope yeah. it's just it's, his coach just lying. Again, it seems that way. It seems that he – because apparently this, this coach that has made these accusations against him Apparently, the reason he has come out now, apparently nine years after the incident, or, or ten years after the incident, is because he's trying to say that, well, I knew that Artemi Panarin was evil all the way back then, which is why he comes out against Putin now. Yeah. So it was pretty much using as evidence as, like, further as why you shouldn't tr- listen to And, you know, Panarin maybe that propaganda works his, in, co- in in those in you know, Russia and China and, you know, countries where it's not the same, it doesn't work the same here in America, where you have the freedom to say what you want. Mm-hmm. Let's be frank. I don't care that you know Russia claims to be a democracy. They're not. You do not have the right to say what you want. Yeah, I mean, there. when somebody runs, you know, a, a, unopposed, a, a, like every right, or every if, he, two if, years. if he is opposed, the people opposing him are you know suddenly dead, assassinated, or in prison, which happened to the last guy. I mean, they failed killing him, and now he's in prison. So, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, what what was it? Not Panarin, as like the beacon of democracy. Without going say. into all these political details, Panarin basically one of the things that he said about Vladimir Putin is he doesn't think he can see the difference between right and wrong because he's being told by all these people that are probably afraid of him. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. So how could yeah. you possibly see any you know fault in what you're doing? Which I think is a fair 
assessment. That's not even like that critical, honestly. No, it wasn't even like he was. He could have said he's an evil son of a bitch. He could have. A lot of people probably would agree with that. But like, no, he was just kind of like, ah, I don't know if he's, you know, making the right decisions because he doesn't have the right people around him, which is like really just a just a more of a just constructive criticism. It's like you, dude. You got to get some. You, seriously, you need some yeah. constructive criticism. You got to your, surround yourself with less administration. Yes yeah. Obviously, Vladimir Putin would strongly disagree. Right. But no, that that situation just. I hope it. I hope it clears up. Uh, other things going on around hockey. How about this? Hmm. The Montreal Canadiens were in the playoffs last year. Yeah. What's going on over there? What is happening? What's going on north? What I mean, I remember these guys getting behind Claude Julian like like yeah. he was you know a patron saint. And then they start to struggle a little bit, and, and teams struggle. By the way, and now all of a sudden he's out on his ass. They fire him, and they're still playing like relatively well. I mean, they're in a tough division right now, um, but still, like they're they're number four in the in the Scotian North. They're not super far off out of a playoff position. Um, but and you yeah. look at some of the other teams that have dis- like Vancouver's been disappointing. Uh, yeah. Calgary's been disappointing. Winnipeg is actually fighting their way back to things. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, you know, he's apparently making he's his starting to he's starting to pick it up. Starting yeah. to find his way there. Edmonton has played just the most amount of games. I think that's why they are where they are. They're fourteen and eight and zero. Right. Actually, I think they're the only team other than the Minnesota Wild to have still not lost a game in overtime or a shootout. So yeah, pretty interesting. Good. They also have not played a game in a shootout yet. But yeah, but in, in part of, of Julian's defense too is is Carey Price has not been the Carey Price of old this year. I mean You can make the argument that Carey Price has not been the Carey Price of old for quite some time now. Yeah, I mean I think it was two years ago he kinda had a little bit of a bounce back season. Um but yeah, I mean this year, last year has not been great. This year especially Carey, so Carey Price is five, four and three yeah. with a three one three goals against average and a save percentage hovering around eight eight eight. Meanwhile, Jake Allen, who somehow finds himself in these situations every single time, yeah. <laughs> was with him and Bing- Bennington, and I think he even had the same thing with Brian Elliott. Uh Jake Allen, four, two and one with a two one four goals against average and a save percentage of nine three two. How they're not riding Jake Allen until yeah. Carey Price figures himself out is beyond me. But well, maybe that maybe that might have been one of the things that went into the the firing. Maybe that won't, that was one of the decisions. I, I don't know. You know, like that. I'm just trying to make sense of it because it is odd. I think it's unfortunate. You know, Claude Julian, I thought was really one of the most inspiring things about the Montreal Canadiens going into that playoff series against Philadelphia last year. According to their Twitter account, they would disagree. They they were pretty upset with him for some reason, but they're upset with both him and Carey Price. It's weird. It's 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 a weird situation. It really is. You know, Julian's been one of those guys where he was a head coach in Boston, mm. and I believe he won. I believe he's a Stanley Cup winning head coach, is he not? Yeah, 2011. 2011 with yeah. the Boston Bruins. Yeah. So he was there for Boston, and then he eventually you know, finds his way out of Boston, and he ends up in Montreal. I think I don't know if he ended up anywhere else in between Boston and Montreal, but this is a guy that's a great head coach. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, the team turns it around and becomes a winning team. So I, I really like Claude Julian a lot, personally. He has, he has the resume, yeah. Yeah, so not really sure what's going on in Montreal, but they clearly think that they have a much better team than what has been happening out on the ice. They right. had this amazingly hot start to the season and have since kind of uh, cooled off a little bit, which, by the way, you're not hot from start to finish, Montreal. That doesn't work like that. Yeah, right. Oh, you know what I just realized? Huh. 4-0 in the jersey. Oh yeah, 4-0 wearing the reverse retro. Fires are one and two with it, but 4-0 nice. with the reverse retro. There was uh, the one thing that we needed to mention was uh, uh, Ron Hextall plucking, yeah, plucking, that was the, yes, I'm his akin, 
his his kids from Philadelphia that, to Pittsburgh. That, that son of a bitch. bitch. God damn it. I love you, though. As soon as it happened, I was like, you. (laughs) Mark Friedman getting plucked by the Philadelphia Flyers to go to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, by the way, as it stands right now, are out of a playoff spot. If the season were to end today, the Philadelphia Flyers are in third place of the Metro of the (laughs) not the Metropolitan, the Mass Mutual East Division at 23 points. Pittsburgh sitting at 10, 7 and 1 with 21 points, a minus four, you know, uh, goal differential. They're 7 and 1 at home, Cameron. They're 3, 6 and 1 on the road. Three hmm. 0 in shootouts. By the way, well, that's they nice. have ten wins. Four of them in uh, or I'm sorry, not four of them. Seven of them they have row, uh, seven row wins, okay. and then four regulation wins. I don't know. It just doesn't look like it's all fun and games over there in Pittsburgh right now. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, that's that's why there's rumors of you know. The ridiculous one of Crosby getting traded. That's I think that's absolutely ass. So that's Bleacher um, Report. I think just putting something out there because they. Yeah. Th- I think Bleacher Report thinks that it could work like it does in the NFL, where star players get traded, NBA players get traded. You're not trading this guy. No. You will never trade Sidney Crosby. No. The fans revolting. Crosby just simply not agreeing yeah. to any trade. Especially especially a team like Pittsburgh too, which. You know, they hold on up. to their they hold on to their legends in that city for a long time. And when they don't have legends, their franchise doesn't do that well financially. So they're going to hold on to a guy like Sidney Crosby for as long as they can. Let's be honest. We've talked about guys that they could potentially move. Chris Letang, I think, is yeah. a name that you could move. Evgeny Malkin, because of the way that he's been playing. Those would be the two biggest payouts, I would think, yeah. I would agree. Uh, interestingly enough, Boston Bruins have lost now two in a row since they won that big game in Lake Tahoe. I mean, it was bound to happen. They were on fire. I mean, like, like you just said with uh, what Montreal, where you're saying, you know, you can't be hot forever. No, you that, can't. The same applies to Boston. I just want to point something out. The Washington Capitals are in first place of the division. They're 11-5-4 with 20 games played. The Boston Bruins have 24 points, 18 games played. The Flyers have a game in hand on Boston, and they're a point back of Boston. The yeah. Philadelphia Flyers, through all of this, 6-2-2 two two in their last 10, and three points out of first place of the division. And now they're looking like they're dominating teams. And now yeah. they're getting back to the – and guess what? Listen – Look at the schedule that's coming up for this team. I'm telling you, man, I'm not tomorrow. Worried. Tomorrow they got Buffalo. They should win that game tomorrow. Yeah. And then who's after that? They've got uh, – we move into March. Two – what? Did you know that we have three straight road games against Pittsburgh? I didn't. That's BS. No, I did not know this. I, I, this is breaking news to me. I I, I, I'm glad <laughs> I caught my reaction. What? Yeah, let me see. Um, go to mo- yeah, go to next month. Buffalo. That's insane. Yeah, wow. So they get after this, they get three against Pittsburgh, and you know what I'm going to say. Hmm. You got to get three out of six. Yeah, have to. Yeah. Then they're home against Washington. Home, mm-hmm. so they could win that game. They already beat them once this could, season. Could you imagine how demeaning it would be for Pittsburgh to lose three in your own building back to back to back against the Philadelphia Flyers while you're already struggling? I think Hextall would sell the team. Oh God. Let's burn it down. Burn it to the ground. Let's burn it down. Then they're home against Buffalo on March 9th. Back home. They have in their next – so after the three straight road games against Pittsburgh, their next four, three of them will be at home against – this is such a I mean, weird well, it. schedule. It's, it's week by week. The first week of March, they're away. The second week of March, they're at home. Third week of March, they're away. All in Fourth New York. Week of March, they're at home. And then fifth week. Fifth week, they're, they're away. Bleeding into April. And then they continue to be away. And then it kind of goes back to normal where it's – Thank God they only have – Two more games against the Boston Bruins. Thank God for that. Three. Son of a gun. Yeah. I thought it was two. They still have three. 
Dang it. Well, anyway, in any case, the point that I was making is they're playing better hockey. And quite frankly, Cameron, yeah, Pittsburgh might be 7-1 and at home. But I'd also like to point out that Pittsburgh's 0-2 against the Philadelphia Flyers. And quite frankly, we're better than them. Yeah, and we're playing much better. I mean, we're playing better now than we were in the beginning of the season when we first played And Pittsburgh. with a team at full strength against the Pittsburgh Penguins, hopefully Carter Hart figures himself out. It would be gr- it would be phenomenal to get Carter Hart back in a groove. He has a good game tomorrow against the Buffalo Sabres. And then figure you figure he, Hart will probably play two of those three. Right. I would imagine you give – you think you bring it in the middle, you bring Moose in the middle and have Hart play the Tuesday game and the Saturday game. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of rest. This, Maybe depending on how the Tuesday game goes, you d- d- determine One Saturday thing's for sure. start. Six games in nine days is not easy to accomplish. It's not going to be fun. But the Philadelphia Flyers, we've talked about it all season. If you're going to be a championship-caliber team, if you're going to make a deep playoff run, you got to learn how to do it. The other team's yeah. got to do it. It's not like you're the only one out there. Right. So I, hope- I, just, I think they're poised to, to be successful I have this, to say, this upcoming month. I have to say to everyone listening, uh, I have been a lot more negative about this team of late. And Cameron, every time I've texted Cameron about it, I'm expecting him to be like, oh, it's a good point. He's been like, calm down, dude. Just relax. I'm, I'm not worried at all. And it, I, and your lack of worry really has been a calming presence for me when I look back at this game. Now, winning two straight games also helps me calm yeah, down a right, little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's not just that they won, though. It's, it's the way that they won. The last two games. like the Yeah, they're, they're reminding me of the round-robin team. Yeah. Like, that's that's how they've looked. And again, against the New York Rangers, who have not been great, and it's against Buffalo, who just is Buffalo without Jack Eichel, too, which is, I mean, But it's, trash, it's the fact that still. earlier they were playing against Buffalo and they weren't doing this. Right. Even they were struggling. If, yeah. yeah. They, so they, this, they are starting to come back around. I really do want to see them take out Pittsburgh. If they win those three Pittsburgh games, I mean, it's it's uh, off to uh, the races. Oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think the the... the the parade plans for me are back on if yeah, they win those three it, straight. I don't expect them to. But. It's Tasmanian Devil throughout the rest of the schedule just wreaking havoc if, if they beat those <laughs> Pittsburgh three times in a row. Their like toughest that. stretch in the month of March, in my opinion, will probably be that those four straight road games up in New York. In New York, Two yeah. against the Rangers. Then they have a back-to-back between the Rangers and the New York Islanders. And the Islanders are playing better hockey of late, so they're, yeah. I mean, they look like they're finally finding their groove. It's going to be that's going to be the tough stretch, but ultimately they should beat the Devils, they should beat the Sabers, they should beat the Rangers. Yeah, they just should. It's right. just what it is. Yeah. So with that uh, comes to an end of the fifty-third episode in the Fly Guys podcasts. Now about one and a half year history. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CameronKlein15 and at GoodHeartJustin. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And our home uh, streaming side of uh, Buzzsprout. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Be happy. Be healthy. Wear your masks. And as always, let's go Flyers.